Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are now on episode 15 and today's episode is an extra special episode for me in particular because we are joined by the Brian Keane. Um, Brian is a personal trainer, a nutritionist, he is owner of Brian Keane Fitness. He is also a best-selling author. He's written The Fitness Mindset, Rewire Your Mindset. Uh, the Keen Edge is his latest book. He is also a professional speaker, a business uh, business coach, and he is the host of the number one podcast, the Brian Keen Podcast. So there's nothing this guy doesn't do, really. Um, he's helped thousands of people with his BKF online program, his GAA Lean Body program, his business courses, seminars, and his two podcasts. Brian is my mentor and has helped me in more ways than he actually knows. So welcome, Brian, and um, thank you so much for coming on today. Kid, I am so excited for our conversation, and I feel like I was—I gave you the push for the podcast, so it feels like a full circle moment at the minute, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. You've been doing great things with your community and, and working and serving the busy moms, and I'm delighted that I'm able to come on today and chat. So thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, it is such a full circle moment because like that, I was so reluctant to do it. I was actually just on my stories there. I was saying this um, to um, to the people watching my stories that it's it, it, I needed the push to do it. And it's actually turning out to be one of the things that I'm enjoying the most, which is amazing. Um, and having all these great conversations. But there is no better person to come on and talk to my listeners because you know my business, you know the people that I serve and you have so much valuable information to share. So I thought starting out, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you mind giving us a bit about your story, your background and kind of what got you to where you're at today? Yeah, you give me a, a mad summary there. Like anytime I ever hear it back, I'm always like, oh, it sounds crazy when it's read back to you. You're kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. these are all the things that you kind of get labeled at from the outside in a very positive way. But we have a very similar background. I think one of the things that we connected with first was yeah. I was a primary school teacher that made the transition out into at the time, full-time one-to-one personal training. And then over the last eight years now, I moved online and I've been serving people in that capacity ever since. But I was a primary school teacher for four years. So not quite as long as you were doing it, uh, but I was four years in that space, three and a half years to be exact. And for two of those years, I worked as a primary school teacher during the day. And I worked as a personal trainer in the gym at nighttime in London, in a school in West London. And it took me a couple of years to make the jump. And this is why I love that we got to have so many conversations over the last few months when it comes to that fear, that anxiety around making that jump out of a full-time profession and career effectively as a teacher to going out there and doing your own thing on the internet in person with people, helping them with fitness, in your case, helping the busy mums with fitness, very specific to, you know, you're the avatar, that's what we always say, like you literally live it in terms of, I remember one of our conversations when you were talking about, you know, the kids doing loads of crazy stuff in the house, and you're like, I need to create my content for Instagram. I'm like, this is what your mums are struggling with, with their meal prep and with their fitness. They've got kids running around the house going crazy, and they're trying to carve out this 20 minute, half an hour, 40 minute window where they can do something, and they're so much overlap and then I you know I said to you I was like just document what you're doing I'm like you're literally living the pain points of your avatar and you've done it you've transformed your own physique and you've gone from you know when you were overweight and not feeling as good as confident in yourself to where you help other people now empower them with their health their wellness their fitness easy recipes that they can make how to 
factor it in with a busy lifestyle with kids running around the house and going crazy like you know something that happens quite regularly Um, and I love that so our stories aren't completely dissimilar from the primary school teacher into the world of fitness but for me that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years now 2012 was when I started 2011 I qualified 2012 was when I started getting my business off the ground now so in 2022 we're 10 years into it at this point and yeah it's been a been a crazy ride from working as a primary school teacher and personal trainer part-time to full-time as a one-to-one trainer to moving online to writing books to starting podcasts and doing a whole host of cool things that I got to do over the last few years yeah no, amazing and that's definitely kind of I think why um as a coach he resonated so like you know we connected so well really was just that I was like he gets it he gets that um being in a position and being like if something's not right but actually just the inspiration of you taking action there and it's funny because I actually this is what I wanted to talk about next uh, you are the analogy king so you like have an analogy for everything uh, and my favorite one the one that really stuck with me when I decided to qualify as a personal trainer and start down this journey was the ladder against the wrong wall so you know and you were talking about this in your podcast and it's in your rewire your mindset book and I was I don't know whether it was when I was reading it or listening to it because it was kind of happening around the same time. But I was like, shit, I was like, I'm, I'm 15 years in. Well, it was probably 13 years in at that stage, you know, um, to a career that I don't hate. And, you know, I've taken a lot from my, my teaching career, but I was like, I'm climbing that ladder. And at this stage, I had been I'd actually taken a management position in school as well, which was added responsibility. And it's just nothing. Things still didn't feel right. And um, then I was, I was just like, I've climbed this ladder and I was like, it's not, it's against the wrong fucking wall. Mm. Um, and it, but it get I was like, he's done this, he gets it. And I said, I'm going to make a change. And then that's what I did. But uh, just for anyone who doesn't, who hasn't heard this before, um, would you explain what the ladder against the wrong wall analogy is basically? Yeah, so analogies are something I still use to this day, partly because this is the way my brain works when I'm trying to comprehend anything new. And because I'm, I'm just, I like, it, it's funny because when you write books and I've written three bestsellers, I've written four, but written three bestsellers, and people kind of assume that you're, you know, educated, intelligent, etc., and they can label you in that bracket. And I actually think I'm quite stupid. I think that's what makes me a good coach, that I need things dumbed down for me to understand them. And then I can kind of build up on it. And analogies were, are my way of doing that to this day. And all I've done with health, fitness, mindset, life advice is like, okay, well, what's the message? And what's a, something I can compare it to that makes sense for me? And it's weird because I actually learned this as a teacher because I did really crap in primary school. I think it's what made me a good primary school teacher was I was rubbish in primary school. Partly like that ADD boy that just bounced around the classroom, wanted to be outside playing sport, mixed with just not being that interested. But one thing that a teacher did, I remember a substitute came in and she was giving us the, um, uh, it was statistics in mathematics. And I remember she gave us the Premier League football table for our statistics. And I instantly got it. And it made me understand that, well, if I can make a reference and tie something to my own life that makes sense to me, I can understand these more complicated areas that generally don't serve me and that's what the ladder against the wrong wall was and just to break it down it's effectively basic goal setting terminology 101 when it comes to well what is the thing you want and what are the steps you have to get do to get there and with it came to teaching now i realized it probably much sooner than you 
I spent four years doing an undergraduate degree. I then did a one-year postgraduate in St. Mary's in London to become a primary school teacher. And I walked into a job, male teacher, into sport, <laughs> walked into a job. I literally had my pick of jobs when it yeah. came to coming out of university to become a teacher. And I'd say I was half an hour into my first ever teaching day in a year three classroom in West London. And I thought, fuck, this isn't what I want to do. I've spent the last four years, five years in total, because I did my undergraduate knowing I was going to go on and do a postgraduate in teaching. It's just, it was what I always wanted to do. I thought is what I always wanted to do from a family of teachers. It was kind of the proven path. And I was half an hour into that first day and I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. This isn't what I want to do. And what it felt like was I had spent four years, nearly five years climbing a ladder, got to the top of the ladder and realized it was up against the wrong wall. And that analogy is something that I've used over and over since when it comes to my career, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to business decisions, that you're better to be at the bottom of the ladder against the right wall than halfway up the ladder against the wrong wall. And I think the reason that people connect so much with that analogy or that metaphor is because you can tie it to some area in your own life. It's the same with personal relationships, romantic relationships. I know you've got an incredible partner, super supportive, particularly when you're making this jump. And I love hearing about him when you were telling me. And like, it's still the same thing crosses over to your career what you're doing your fitness is the same like i always think of quick fix diets your slimming clubs etc where there's no real underlying nutritional principles being given that that yeah you might be losing some weight as you're climbing a ladder but eventually you might get to the top of that ladder realize that actually i've learned nothing about nutrition and all that weight goes back on when you try to quote unquote go back eating normally and, and you also end up quite unhappy you end up feeling unfulfilled when you get to the top of the ladder on a diet like that mm-hmm and it, and it crosses over. It doesn't matter where in your life that's important to you. If your ladder is up against the wrong wall and the problem with it, and I talk about this in both books, but in Rewire Your Mindset, that's very much my kind of life book when it comes to uh, tools that can help you with all aspects as opposed to just fitness. But it's so difficult to acknowledge first and foremost that you're either near the top of a ladder or you're halfway up a ladder. And to go all the way back down, like it's the same as if you did it physically in the real world. If you're halfway up a ladder, it's way more effort to climb back down and move it against another wall and start from the bottom. But sometimes that's the thing you need to do with your diet, with your career, with your relationship, etc. And I think that analogy is really useful for people. And that's what happened to me. It was every time I make a decision now, I ask myself, well, is my ladder up against the right wall with what I'm doing? Because then it makes decisions easier. There'll be tough days in business, but if my ladder is up against the right wall, it'll be worth it in the end. There'll be tough days in my relationship, but my ladder is against the right wall, so it'll be worth it in the end. There's tough days with my nutrition and with training, same as everybody, but my ladder's up against the right wall. I know exactly where I'm going with those particular fitness goals, so it makes it worth it. And I think you can draw that and pull that analogy back into your own life with your diet, your nutrition, your training, your career, your personal life, because it's a very useful analogy that potentially spreads across different facets of your life. Yeah, and I think very much that it's fear that stops people from making that jump that you can know for quite some time that you're on the wrong or someone listening to this now might be like, oh, fuck, I'm definitely up the wrong ladder. (laughs) Um, But like I've just just to say that I was nearly 15 years up the wrong ladder. It's never too late. You're never too old. You can always come back down. And even though I'm kind of working my way up the ladder on a new wall, it doesn't feel 
like work in the same way it, you know that I'm and it's funny I was actually I was working in the gym this morning and I was hoovering the studio and I was thinking of what you said as well about you know that you'd rather be mopping floors in the gym than do than teaching a class at the time and I just thought to myself that I was really happy just in that studio hoovering it knowing that I had this podcast later and you know I have my own work because I'm a busy mum I tend to do a lot of my work in the evening time which I would never have done as a teacher like you would not have seen me correcting copies or doing plans at night time it just wouldn't have happened um whereas like when the kids go to bed and I have a bit of time I it's not work it is work but it, it's very fulfilling, so you don't mind doing it. And like like you said, you have that goal in mind. And, you know, it can be adapted to any aspect of life as long yeah. as you, you're on the right wall. That's 100%. And just to yeah. kind of clarify on what you said there, Kate, like it's not a call to action for people to quit their job and go do something yeah. else. But I, you, you know, like if you have a hollow void or a voice that's screaming inside you, you shouldn't be doing this. I would just say it's worth acknowledging that voice. And some people listening to this, they'll jump straight to their job and go, oh, fuck. Or they'll jump to their relationship and go, oh, no. Or they'll jump to their diet or their fitness and go, oh, no, my ladder's up against the wrong wall. And it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just bringing awareness to it. Like you'll have fear, you'll have anxiety, you'll have all those things, but you can manage those. And once you start to feel that fulfillment in whatever it is you're doing, you'll get that kind of internal voice that you'll get better at listening to. Because we've had this conversation back and forth that you can get the fear, you'll get the anxiety. This is just, this is the trade-off of making a change. Going from zero to one is harder than going from one to 10 on any new journey, but it just makes it worthwhile. And I think just regularly checking in with that can be helpful. So whether that's diet related or whether that's relationship related or work related, I think it's a useful check in to do regularly. Yeah. And I think it's really important as well to realize that if you are going to make changes and you know, we, maybe we'll bring it lifestyle related rather than career related. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, this is true of my um, career change at the minute as well, is that it's not all at once. So if you're like, OK, I think my or I know for sure, you know, deep down that I'm up against the wrong wall here, that you don't need to take your ladder away from the wall that you're on. You can dip your foot into something else, see if it's right. And that's what I did. That's what you did for a while as well, wasn't it? You worked both jobs and I did that too. And even now I'm on a career break. Like I haven't left my career. I've, I'm on a career break. So I still have that safety net there. And it's, as you start to climb, you get more, you get more confident, you get more sure. And it's the same with new lifestyle habits. And it's exactly what I would tell my clients that if you take too much on too quickly, you're going to get to that point of overwhelm and you need to try and find that point when you want to make lifestyle changes, getting out of, of your comfort zone. It's important to step out of your comfort zone, you know, to make change. You're not going to grow in your comfort zone, but you don't want to step too far to the point of overwhelm because that's when you say fuck it and you fall off the wagon, as people say, which I always say there is no wagon, but um, it's about finding that magic spot of pushing yourself that little bit, but not too much to overwhelm. Yeah, it's what I call in, in the last book, not pressing the fuck it button. I talk about it in terms of diet, like where people have one bad day and they say, fuck it, they press the fuck it button. And then one bad day turns into a bad weekend or one bad weekend turns into a bad week, as opposed to just resetting and getting back on track. But I think there's a lot of crossover with that, that you, too many changes too soon normally leads to people yeah. falling off the wagon, falling off track, whatever language you want to put on it. Yeah. And it's not the speed that's important. It's the direction. And I think whether it's career change, whether it's a weight loss goal, whether it's anything you're trying to do, the speed is less important than the direction. 
i.e. the ladder being against the right wall is more important than the speed at which you're climbing that ladder. And I think once you're facing in the right direction or if you're unsure, there's nothing wrong with that either. This is the beauty of listening to shows like this and listening to podcasts like my podcast where people have a conversation and there's these penny drop or aha moments where you go, oh, actually, I never thought about it like that. And then that seed potentially plants a potential idea that you'll make a change down the line. But that's all you're looking to do is make sure that the direction is right. And if you're not sure, there's people out there, there's courses, there's books, there's coaches, there's friends, there's support networks that can help you get there. But as long as you're facing the right direction, that's the most important thing with whatever goal you have, whether it's weight loss or a career change in this case. Yeah, and what I would always say to clients as well is it's not, you know, it's not a race. And like when you decide that you want to get fitter, you want to get healthier, you want to lose body fat, it's, you know, that you need to take it as a lifestyle change. So it's for life. So there's no rush to get there. And I've, I get this as well now, particularly with kind of with my business goals, because I know me and you talk a lot about business. Um, and I get impatient and I'm like, oh, I want to be here. I want to be here. You know, why, why is this not happening yet? You know, and um, it's about taking it. But it's the same when it comes to fat loss, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to health in general, um, that it's about just taking your time. And I think once you take that time limit away from it, I know sometimes a time, you know, something like a wedding or, you know, a holiday can be motivating. But in general, for most of us that are just trying to be fitter, healthier, stronger, there for our kids, um, it, it's not particularly helpful. Yeah, well, I think as well, and I think you can speak to this, Kate, better than anybody, comparison syndrome can be a real problem with busy mums and particularly social media. And I have a real love-hate relationship with social media when it comes to, like, it's been incredible for me in my own life, my business, etc. But when it comes to rewiring people's mindset around expectations and around comparison, I think busy mums, and if you have, you know, a child or a couple of children or three children or more, to compare yourself to a single no child or no children fitness model on Instagram is such an unhelpful comparison. And a lot of mums, and I, again, this is your space that you service in particular, but I've worked with a lot of those clientele and that clientele in recent years too. And it's just not, when you think about it logically, you it's comparing, you know, a completely different book or two completely different book stories and life stories. Somebody who can prioritize training twice a day and prepping all their meals for several hours a day because they're single and they don't have other commitments and they're working towards a wedding or an event or a photo shoot is completely different from a mum who's busy with a partner and two kids and three kids or even one child where it's taking up a lot of your time, a lot of your free time, a lot of your thinking time. Once you remove that expectation and that comparison straight away, you give yourself what is the equivalent of a level playing field for you and then comparing against yourself because you need to be able to prep meals and do recipes that potentially support the whole family so that you're not cooking multiple times a day because you don't have that time. You also need to look at, you know, time management with fitness. So whether that's a step count during the day because you've got a young child and you're pushing them in the buggy or whether that's doing hit workouts in the morning when you get up early or whether that's getting into the gym, doing a 30 or 40 minute workout, timing your rest periods, getting in, getting out so you can get back home again. You're just using different tactics to get to your end goal. And that's why I think it's so valuable having this podcast and your Instagram in particular because you're living that and you've lived that and it's sharing it with other people. And it nearly serves as a, 
a, a an example, uh, you know, a role model example or a modeled example of, you know, you're not the exact same and your lifestyle is not the same as, you know, 24 year olds fitness model who's single living in Spain or living in Ibiza. It's, but yes, people will do that direct comparison because of the social media highlight, highlight reel. So I do think it's important to look at your circumstances as a whole. What are your goals? What is it you're looking to do? And what are the tactics fitness-wise, nutrition-wise, training-wise that can help you get there? And then it's just about being consistent with that for a lifestyle change over the long term. Yeah, definitely. No, that's so true. And I think with, like, you've made a really good point when it comes to, you know, instagram a lot you know a lot of these fitness um pages and you are like these people a lot of these people are fitness models or fitness professionals that it it is their whole lives and i think a lot of people don't actually understand the work that goes into having a body like that and a lot of these people only have that body for that day Mm -hmm. because they've dehydrated themselves their diet has been restricted particularly in the two weeks coming up to this photo shoot and it that it isn't they're not that lean all the time and the ones that are it's not necessarily healthy so there's a huge difference between he- being healthy and strong mm-hmm. and um and healthy and fit healthy way. and fit are two different yeah. things yeah yeah exactly yeah and i think that's really important to to note and i al- but i also think it's really important that that doesn't mean that you can't look good just because you have three kids but you have to do it in a really realistic way and do you really need to have washboard abs when you've had three kids, you know, but you can still look good in your clothes. You can feel good, have loads of energy. You know, you can get to the stage of lean where you're wearing crop tops again, if that's what you're into. Um, but you just need to figure out what is important to you. And then that brings us to the point of why. Of um, So the very first thing I would do with clients when we start on the program is I would get them to work on their why. And I know you do this too. So um you know, I would start um, them journaling from day one. Why do you want to do this program? And it usually starts out, I want to lose three stone or I want, you know, and then you have to dig deeper. So it usually takes about three to five whys till we start to get to a deeper reason for actually wanting to do the program or whatever program you're doing or whatever lifestyle change you're making. Do you want to talk a little bit about the why? I think you've nailed it there that, you need to know why you're doing something. The difference, and I've been 10 years working with people now, offline, online, business, fitness, lots of different areas. And the one underlying success metric that everybody who does well on their journey is that they know why they're doing it. And that sounds really obvious and can sound a little bit trite without explanation, but I want to lose three stone is better than I want to lose weight. At least it's more specific. But ultimately, it's not going to be the thing that keeps you on plan. Like with nutrition, with training, it's not easy in the sense that particularly in the beginning, when you want to lose weight, you want to lose a little bit of body fat. It's not easy because if it was easy, everybody would just look the way they wanted to look and we wouldn't be having this conversation. It is tricky and it is difficult in the beginning. Now, it gets considerably easier, but in the beginning, it's difficult because the start of any new journey is always going to be difficult. And what can happen with people who want to lose three stone or want to lose five pounds or who want to lose a little bit of body fat is that's all well and good on week one when they've signed up to a program or that's all well and good on week one when they've signed up to a new trainer, maybe even week two when motivation is high. And I speak a lot on my podcasts and in books that motivation, although a very real thing, is a very unhelpful 
resource when it comes to actually hitting any in goal compared to something like your daily habits what are you doing every day tell me what you do every day i'll tell you where you'll be in a year or tell me how you eat and move every day i'll tell you how you'll look in a year and motivation will wane it'll come and go it's like the wind you know it's like sailing the analogy i use in the keen edge the last book is it's like if you're out sailing the wind is the motivation it'll come and go but you can't actually rely on it whereas you know you're paddling or you're moving is what's actually getting you going i.e your daily habits and what you do consistently every day but underneath all of that is your why is well why are you doing this because after week two after week three even if you're getting results something will happen that will pull you off plan you won't want to set the alarm to get up and go to the gym or do your morning workout or you'll be tired when you come in from work and you won't want to take the buggy out and hit your daily step count or you'll be feeling a little bit sluggish and mentally tired from a stressful day and you'll just reach for a takeout or you'll throw the pizza in the oven and that's what you'll eat instead of the meal that was on your plan. And what generally stops people doing that or at least minimizes that and again i'm all for there's days when you should chill and there's days when you should eat the pizza and all of that it's just what you consistently do will determine your results over time but the way you use it or the inoculation for that for the lack of a better term is you know why you're doing it in the first place and whether that is confidence i want to build more confidence so that i walk into a room and i feel sexy in my favorite dress or I want to be able to move and play with my kids because I've been three stone overweight for as long as I can remember. Or you just want to take off clothes and look in the mirror or be with your partner or maybe you're single and be with somebody with no clothes on and you feel attractive and confident in yourself. There's, there's whys and everybody has different ones, but you need to know why you're doing it. I always use the example when I used to work as a one-to-one PT, I speak about this in the last book, The Keen Edge. When I worked as a one-to-one PT, I had one of my girls come into me and she asked me, she was like, well, I want to work with you. I was like, okay, well, that's perfect. I, that's great. I would like to work with you too. It seems like we'd be a good fit. But tell me, what's your goal? She goes, well, I want to lose weight. I was like, okay, well, why do you want to lose weight? I didn't even get into the specifics of how much you wanted to lose. I was like, I need to see, does, does she even know why she's here? And she said, well, I've got my sister's wedding coming up. I was like, okay, great. I was like, why do you want to lose weight for your sister's wedding? She goes, well, I want to lose weight for my sister's wedding so I can fit into this dress that I really like. I was like, brilliant. Well, why do you want to lose weight for your sister's wedding so you can fit into the dress you really like? She goes, well, there's going to be a guy there that I'm really attracted to and I want to kind of feel confident when I walk into the room. And I was like, okay, gotcha. I was like, so that's big difference between I want to lose weight and I want to feel confident and sexy within myself when I walk into a room for somebody I'm attracted to. Now everyone will have a different why. This is from a legit read example. And that meant that this worked in two ways. I had a potential carrot on the days when she was falling off or feeling like she was going to fall off plan and be like, do you remember why you're here? Like your sister's wedding is coming up. Why are you here? Think about the dress. Think about the room when you walk into it and how you'll feel. So I had this carrot that I could use, but also she went from, I'm working with this personal trainer who's going to help me lose weight to I'm here because of me and this underlying why. So it worked twofold and she did. She did great. Like she lost the weight, she'd reduced body fat and she felt really good when her sister's wedding came around. And I think asking that question, you know, why, 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 as you said, asking it three times, four times, five times, however long it takes to get to the root answer. But at the end of the day, it's what's going to separate you from hitting your goal and not hitting your goal because there's going to be days when you want to fall off plan There's going to be days when you don't want to do your step count or go to the gym. But if you know why you're doing it in the first place, at least if you do fall off, you can reset and get back on quickly. Or it can be the thing that works as a deterrent for, do you know what? I actually, 
this is my goal is bigger than me or my why is bigger than me and what I'm doing and how I feel. Successful people do what they have to do regardless of how they feel. And you can condition yourself for that once you get clear on your why. Yeah. And the why, when you, when you actually do break it down, it always comes back to a feeling because I think when you can actually feel how you want to feel, you know, that you can imagine how that feeling is going to be. It, it's feelings that we connect with more so that and then when you're having that feeling of not wanting to go out on a November evening for your walk or whatever, or you don't you have the feeling I really don't want to do that workout. You can replace that with the feeling of how you want to feel on whatever for whatever that goal is. And it gives you that push. And the thing is, like another one we use is a five minute action. Just get up and start for five minutes. Give yourself guilt-free permission to stop after five minutes. And the thing, what it's, what's amazing is motivation usually after five minutes. More often than not, you're going to keep going because you're like, oh, actually, I feel good now. I can do this. And it, it's changed straight away. 100%. I love that. I think that's that's so useful. Like that nearly overrides the feeling of like that going from zero to one, as I said, is always harder than one to 10. And that goes for a macro long term goal, but also in the short term that you know, give yourself guilt free permission to stop after five minutes, yeah. because in a lot of cases, you'll start to feel better. And something that I've used and I still use to this day, although I've been training a very long time now, but particularly with the gym, because I train in the morning. So there's times yeah. when I'd rather just roll over and go back to sleep for the hour. But I think about how I feel after the workout and that yeah. feeling and checking in with that can be useful when you don't feel like going for that workout or going for that walk. Think about how you'll feel after once it's done, whether that's the you know endorphin release or whether that's just a self-confidence, adding a small leg to your confidence table of, I said I was going to do something and I did. You build confidence by repeatedly keeping promises to yourself. And once you can put yourself into that position, emotionally and check in with that that can be quite useful for getting you to go as well yeah that's that's such useful advice definitely um in relation to um replacing motivation with habits what are the habits that you tend to advise your clients to start with so if there's someone listening who's starting out on their journey and you and they're like okay right i'm gonna work work on my why i realize this motivation isn't gonna last forever what habits should i start with how many should i take on and so on I generally ask people, and it, it does be different depending on the people I'm speaking with who struggle with this. I normally look for, well, what's the one habit that will yield the most benefits for all your other habits? And it normally falls under either nutrition or sleep for people in 99 of 100 cases of people I've worked with. Sometimes it's gym related, but it's normally, well, what's the one habit that I can do that will have a positive impact on all the other areas of my life? So, for example... Personally, I can use myself as probably a better example than picking any of my clients who I haven't got permission from. I sleep as my non-negotiable. So I try and focus on high quality sleep every night, partly because it makes me feel energized and I wake up feeling fresh. But also when I've slept well, my nutrient choices and food choices tend to be better the next day. When my food choices are better, I tend to have better workouts, which normally makes me feel better, which normally leads to more dietary adherence, which normally keeps me away from stimulants and too much caffeine and too many things that amp me up, which leads to better night's sleep. So that one habit and focus of sleep is a primary anchor or pillar or foundation pillar at which everything else is built is what I use personally. So when it comes to 
building habits, I would ask, well, what's the one thing or the one habit you should focus on that will have a positive impact on all the other things? Now, it might be different. You have people who sleep isn't a primary driver. Some people can focus on considerably lower quality sleep. Some people need a lot of sleep. Others will find that training is the thing that works for them, that if they stay on top of their diet or stay on top of their training, they're able to adhere to their diet. And as a result, this has a positive compound effect. So you're looking to ask yourself the question, what's the one thing I can do? And this could be as simple as getting up 20 minutes earlier so that you're not feeling stressed and anxious running out the door every morning and that you give yourself that time to either work out or to meditate or do something before the kids wake up. This might be a habit that has a positive knock-on effect in all those other areas of your life. So, So there's a little bit of experimentation with this. But I would say look for the thing that gives you the biggest return on investment, i.e. what's the one habit or the one thing you can focus on that will have a positive impact on everything else. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. Um, And to kind of not take on too many at once as well. Like I think you're you're right like starting with sleep is sleep really is the foundation of it all Um, i know a lot of my listeners might have small kids babies you know that sleep might be a little bit out of their control so i kind of say there to try and control your habits around sleep and just get mm. the best quality quality sleep that you can get for the amount that you're going to get because that can be a bit out of your control um, and i kind of say like we try and work through this continuum so this kind of you know gets rid of this off the wagon on the wagon thing where we start with sleep then we start looking at whole foods you know a bit of daily movement you're adding these habits in we're trying to get out of our comfort zone so if you're like okay sleep, sleep is down that's no problem i already eat whole foods okay great you're going to keep doing that what's next daily movement and then you're like oh fuck I, yeah i don't you know i sit at a desk all day you're like right this is where we need to start and we start there and kind of um you're out of your comfort zone it's what you need to focus on you've got the other habits under your belt anyway when that starts to feel easy moving on a little bit more then and then, like you mentioned before, then when life starts to get in the way, because, you know, shit happens, especially if you've got a couple of kids, you know, you have a child yourself, you know that, you know, things happen, life gets busy, you know, someone in your family could be sick, someone could be getting married, you know, you're going on holidays, so you're not always going to be at home the whole time to cook perfect meals, nothing's ever going to be perfect, and the more people in your family, the less likely that's going to be. Um, so it's really important to just be able to take a step back on the continuum being like, okay, I've got these habits down. You know, you could work your way around to you're tracking your calories, your strength training four times a week. And then something happens. And you, but instead of giving up everything, you just take a step back to the habits that you're able to manage without even thinking. And that like, that it takes time to build those habits, but over time it really does um, build like you're building it without even realizing and you've taken the time limit off. So I just think, um, it's just so valuable to, to take time with those habits. Well, the problem with habits is they're going to form whether you like it or not, meaning yeah. that you can either f- intentionally design a good habit and wait until it becomes automatic or you can default into a bad habit. And one of the things that got quoted back the most from the first book, The Fitness Mindset, when I talked about the how habits are, how, high, how highly ingrained habits are, is when people put on their shoe. I'm like, I bet you put on either your left or your right shoe first every single day and you don't even think about it. And just bringing that awareness to what shoe you're putting on in the morning shows you how ingrained those habits are. So they're happening whether you know it or not. And one of my favorite quotes that I have as a brain tattoo, which is from the Stoic philosopher Seneca, is form good habits and become a slave to them. Meaning that you put a little bit of work on the front end. The University of London says it takes 66 days to form a new habit. So give or take that, you know, 
those 60 to 70 day window, it's going to take that amount of time before it starts to become automatic. And that goes for your food, that goes for your training, that goes for your sleep. With the sleep, there's a resource I would definitely recommend for your busy moms. I think this is very applicable here. It's what I normally recommend to any clients I work with in that space. It's uh, Nick Littlehale's book on sleep and the myth of eight hours where it talks about how to nap. And when Holly was born, so Holly's seven now, she's going to be eight in May. But when she was born, I, I used the tools from that book. It's why I'm very kind of, I found it so helpful because I was just struggling to get a good night's sleep. And although we had a system in place where I was able to sleep, I just, I couldn't, I was too stressed, just new parenting, all of that. So using yeah. those sleep cycles and those nap cycles really helped me. So it's a really useful tool for people. And when it comes to habit formation, to just kind of tie it all together there, you don't have to have it right a hundred percent of the time. And I think this is something that mums, and I know you're really good with this, Kate, from following the Instagram page in particular, that you don't have to nail it a hundred percent of the time to get really good results, particularly as a busy mum. Now, if you want to be a professional athlete, if you want to break a world record, if you want to be a professional bodybuilder or bikini photo shoot model, yeah, you probably need to get it right 99 out of a hundred times with your nutrition and your training. But to lose body fat, to look better, to feel more vitality and energy through the day, 80% is going to be enough, meaning that you're getting it right more often than you aren't. And I think that straight away alleviates some of the self-imposed pressure that mums can have when it comes to getting in shape. And that's why I think, and you have a very similar coaching philosophy, I try and educate my clients with fundamentals of how nutrition works, how training works, so that you can go into a restaurant and you know that, yes, this food is off my plan, but what are the better alternatives I can make because it's the Wednesday going for lunch as opposed to a free meal at the weekend. There's nutritional principles there, the same as training principles, that you're not getting bogged down in you know, the actual training program. There's certain systems that work really well for if you're short on time. I like body weight hit workouts for my busy mums because they're short, they're effective, they differentiate themselves based on fitness levels. So if you're working for a minute with 10 exercise movement patterns, you can put a beginner and an intermediate and an advanced person on the same plan and the advanced person will just do more repetitions within that minute the beginner will do less but they're both getting a figurative 10 out of 10 workout intensity so there's principles and fundamentals that cr cut across different areas that once you understand that it takes a lot of the pressure off because you're not counting every calorie or morsel of food that you eat which i don't think is helpful either and you're not stressing about missing the gym or missing a workout or beating yourself up because you know you didn't get all your sessions in this week because you know that well actually if i move and i'm getting a step count that's neat activity my non-exercise activity thermogenesis that's actually helping me reduce body fat and that's actually helping me feel better throughout the day and all of these things can be useful that's why i think the content you create on the podcast i do the same on my podcast the brian Keane podcast it's just educating people on those fundamentals so that generally by its nature takes a lot of that self-imposed pressure off yeah no that's so true um and I think, you know, there's there's often this misconception that you need to be in the gym, that you need to be lifting heavy weights, that you need to have, you know, a personal trainer in the gym with you for, to be able to make real progress. And yeah, like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of lifting heavy weights. I, I enjoy it. But it's, it's not you don't have to be doing things like that to make progress, to be healthy, to be fit, that when you're starting out, I spent years on my kitchen floor with kids crawling all over me doing HIIT workouts and it was great and I felt fantastic and I made um, significant progress with my weight loss 
and um, with my health, my fitness in general, um, before I kind of decided to join the gym. But um, what are your thoughts on home workouts and versus gym and in relation to, to clients? I, it's two, two approaches. One is it's goal dependent and, and timeline dependent mm-hmm. mixed with, well, what do you enjoy? And there's a little bit of a catch 22 on both sides of this. I think if you are trying to get stronger in a six week period, you're going to get better or improve your probability of getting stronger in a six week period. If you're in a gym as opposed to training at home with your body weight, just because there's more weights, there's more movements you can do. You can increase the strength load and the resistance load on the bar. You can increase your strength in a shorter period of time. So there is an element of goal dependence here, but to be honest, and I've definitely mellowed on this in recent years because it's a curse of knowledge. The more, you know, the more you realize that there's actually a million different solutions that can help people, which is actually a terrible business strategy when it comes to like, you should hammer like business one-on-one is hammer your nails to a post in terms of this is the best diet. This is the best training program, rinse and repeat because it brings people into that tribe. But the honest answer is it's about, well, what do you enjoy doing and what can you consistently do over time? So when it comes to gym versus home, I think of them like tools. It depends on what tool is fit for purpose at the minute and what do you enjoy more? I think if you're someone who has three kids, a really busy lifestyle, particularly young kids at home, going to the gym just might not be feasible for you in terms of time management. So bodyweight hit workouts are something that you might be able to do three times a week, four times a week, maybe even five times a week because it's short, 15, 20 minutes, no equipment needed. You could potentially get up earlier or do it when the kids go to sleep or if they're napping during the day, there's going to be a time when you can carve out those 20 minutes. Or contrary to that, you might have a very supportive partner who wants you to keep your headspace and gives you that hour, hour and a half on the day where they're like, you know what? You go to the gym. You know, this is you time, me time. You go do you. I got the kids for an hour. I got the kids for an hour and a half. Go do you. And going to the gym, although useful when it comes to resistance program, also works as a stress reliever because it gives you a little bit of time back to yourself. Then in that context, the gym is going to be better. So there's pros and cons to both depending on your circumstance. So I would ask, well, what's your situation? Like, what do you prefer to do? What could potentially work for you? But if you are a single mom, for example, and you don't have that network that you can lean on, the gym's not going to be an option. Like, unless you're bringing your child with you, which some parents do, I know, and that works as well. But you have to tailor it based on your situation. And it's not that either are better or worse. They both work really well. Unless you have a very specific goal, you know, I want to get stronger. I want to be able to deadlift 80 kilograms. Yeah, it's going to be harder to do that at home with burpees and mountain climbers. Like, it's, it's yeah. just, it just is. But yeah. if you just have, I, I want to feel better, I want to fit into my clothes and have them feel looser or feel sexier in a dress or just feel more confident and be toned and lose body fat and reduce body fat and build that lean muscle tissue, then you can do that with body weight hits at home and body weight workouts at home. So it really just depends on what works for you. I know it's a terrible answer to give because the, the real answer people love is go to the gym do this workout, eat this way, done. But, you know, as someone that's been working in the industry for a long time and has worked with thousands of people over the years, there's so many different things that work. It's just about finding what's going to work best for you. No, I think that's such a good answer. And I think, now I'm conscious of time now, we need to finish up. But um, I, um, I, like, I think it's such a good answer because I think just because you, if you don't, if you're not in a position to get to a gym doesn't mean you should put your goals on hold and 
you know, sit at home and be like, oh, I'll, you know, in, in a couple of years time and they're a bit older, you know, if it's something you want to do, you should start now. You can get weights to, so that you can you can get dumbbells and kettlebells as well to, to work out at home. And it's, it's a fantastic place to start, especially if you're not too confident about exercising in front of others. It can be a really great way to go. And then it might just before you know it, you could suddenly have led yourself down the path to going to the gym. And it's really important that, you know, what you said there about enjoying it and that is the most important thing and this is what i say to people who do my program not everyone who does my program does the workouts because some of them you know go to crossfit classes or some of them you know are members of a local gym and they like to do the gym classes there or some of them play sports i have a girl who do, who does rugby training three times a week and um she has a small child at home so her training is her training and you know she walks yeah. and and that's it so it's about finding what works in your life and every anything is better than nothing. Yeah, completely agree. Like once you're doing, once you're moving, I think it's something that it, it's this weird 180 or 360, I suppose, because we all start with just moving more at the beginning and realize, oh, actually, yeah. I feel better when I do this. And we can go off into CrossFit or bodybuilding or sports-specific workouts. And at the end of the day, it's about, well, just move more. Like it, you will yeah. feel better with that. Like realistically, 80% of any body transformation comes from your nutrition anyway. So moving and exercise is just supporting that. It'll work tremendously well for other things, your health, your endorphins, your strength and all of these things. But realistically, with body composition change, it's 80% nutrition anyway. And then the training is just supporting that. I think that's a really, really great place to finish that. We could go on. We could talk for another hour and um, we could get into, we could dive into nutrition, but maybe we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part two down the line. When, yeah, when exactly. we get more episodes in, we go part two. For sure. <laughs> but um, Brian, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me today. Um, and just for anyone, like I said, who isn't familiar with you, where can people connect with you? You know, your socials, podcast and where to get the books. Oh, amazing. Thanks so much, Kate. Yeah, uh, BrianKeenFitness.com is the website. The Brian Keen podcast, the books are available everywhere. Amazon is where a lot of people go. Um, and Brian Keen Fitness, Brian underscore Keen underscore Fitness on Instagram uh, for anyone that wants to check me out. Amazing. I, anyway, I'll share all that in the show notes as well. So 